And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms of apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the 7th edition of Fred's Side of the Trent. And you know, Forest managed to avoid a Halloween trick when they snatched a last gasp equalised against Queen's Park Rangers. However, it did come on the back of a 4-0 thumping at home to Fulham which was a truly remarkable 2-1 victory against Bristol City. The result means that Forest have taken four points from the last for possible nine and still unbeaten on the road with Steve Cooper, which is quite an interesting one. So we'll start with that. We'll start with the um, the QPR game, which, uh, well, it was it was very um, eventful game, I suppose, if you like. Uh, Reese, let's say we obviously we had two penalty appeals turned down. We had a last-minute equaliser, as we mentioned. We had... A potential red card opportunity, uh, which again, when I noticed, we had a change of system again. We had there was a lot of things to get through from QPR. But what's your main take from that? I was a little bit disappointed, really, at the end that we didn't win the game. Um, I know we've even that's weird saying that um, because we scored in the last minute, like. But um, first off. Thought we was the better side. We had a lot of joy down the right channel with Johnson getting in behind. Probably just couldn't get that final pass right. Um, I think was very unfortunate when he put it across, and I think Adoma cleared it, which was a really good ball. Um, I mean, the first the first penalty instant, it looks like he shoved him in the back. And the second one, their players. Um, you know, booted the back of Spencer's foot to get the ball. And I, can't, I don't get why the ref has given that as a free kick to them. I mean, he could probably could rule out no penalty, fair enough, because coming together of legs is a bit tough at times for the ref, but to give them a free kick, I thought was odd. Um, and then it was just so disappointing to see that goal right on the stroke of half-time. Um, yeah. Adoma, to be fair to him, played well on... Um, Friday night, he's, he was had a bit of Jordan Gabriel vibe around him. If he was proper up for it, being against his old club. Um, but I know the goal was very um, fortuitous at the end. But I thought we deserved at least a point. And in the end, you'd have to say away from home, last minute goal. It's probably a point game, really. Definitely, I think as well. It's um, we noticed it's a Bristol City game, which I'm sure we'll cover in a bit was that you know, Forrest don't really seem to know when to lose and Adam that's you know, sign of a good side that isn't it really I mean I know obviously the, the Steve Cooper still putting together the foundation blocks it's still you know it's not going to be the finished article overnight but the fact that Forrest now seems so resilient are so 
know, refusing to accept the feat, really. It must, it must be quite pleasing for you as well, especially like, well, nearly 3,000 fans were in that QPR end on Friday. So, you know, it's it's definitely a good thing, right? Yeah, it's big change in attitude, which is always nice to see. Before, we would be making a defensive sort of substitution of, oh, we'll, it's, we'll keep it 1-0 uh, to the opposition sort of thing. And now we're really going for it. I was not I was quite shocked to not see someone grab the ball out of the net, you know, after we score against QPR on Friday and go, right, we mean it, we're going to go for it. And we almost probably... I think, um, I think Taylor did try, but he slipped over. I mean, they yeah, slip yeah. Over. He ended up giving it large to that QPR defender instead. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's good to see that Cooper's happy to meet those sort of changes and changes the formation earlier in a game when it's not quite going. I mean, he did it on about 60th minute. He put he changed the formation. Um, and Joe Worrell rightly said in his uh, post-match that the team needs to be quicker in transition from a three to a four because they did we did concede a few guilt-edge opportunities. I mean, Dykes had a one-on-one that Samba saved pretty well. And then Jed Spence putting a great tackle in on him a few moments later. So... There are things to work and, on, and, and I'm glad like that that's actually been acknowledged by one of the players. Mm. So hopefully that that will come. And I mean, me and Reese were saying how, how slow we could be to release the ball in midfield, uh, but that will come. Hopefully, I mean, we've been subdued to shit football for the last three managers, I'd say. So it's it's going to it's going to take a while because I mean, you look at the transition of Ryan Yates; he's not playing sideways and backwards as much as actually going forwards. So I know I mean we'll get onto that in a bit, but but yeah, that's my take on it. It's just a good, nice change of attitude, really. I think that is it. Yeah, I think it was um, quite a few people. I noticed some of the analytics account were sort of saying that when we did change to a three to a four, obviously, like you said, we did sort of lose a bit of um, structure. Obviously, Dykes had those two chances, and thankfully showed his Scotland form at the Euros with those two chances as well. But um, yeah, it's something that is, does need to be worked on. And like you said, it's good that the players are acknowledging it. Uh, Lee, well, it's the second time we've done this in the pod. It's quite exciting. We'll use your official officiating insight for this one. So, I mean, the two penalty decisions and there was a challenge from Johansson on Alex Mighton, which was borderline GBH slash tough but fair, some might say. Um, although, well, there's <laughs> emphasis around fair being like that but so from your take I mean for me personally the first one was definitely a penalty because Johnson for me has gone past him and I sort of nudged shoulders and then Johnson's pace has got through him and he's just been shunted in the back and gone flying which is going to happen if you're running at speed and the second one again like like Reece said he shouldn't really be given a free kick their way that's just seemed absolutely bizarre so what is your with your official hat on um, what, what's your take on the two calls to be fair, the first one, I, I don't really have words for it. Um, I just think in that situation, the, the ref's there, he's got a perfect view. What on earth is the defender trying to do if he's not trying to foul him? Um, it's it's not it's even no a coming... for the ball. Yeah, there's like, a, there's like a little... I think Glenn Murray pointed out on Sky, there's like a little coming together and it's shoulder to shoulder. But then as soon as Johnson gets in front of him, it's just a, a, the most blatant shove you've ever seen in your life. I mean, if that happens in the middle of the pitch, it's, well, it's meat and drink for the referee. He just gives it all day long without even thinking about it. But for some reason, because it's in the box and it's the away side after, what, 10 minutes, I think it was something like that, he somehow waves it away. and I, it's, it, it's baffling. I, don't, I just don't get it. I, I mean, I hate sitting here and slagging him off because it's ridiculously tough, but... I mean, come on, they don't help themselves sometimes giving deci- well, not giving decisions like that. Um, with the second one, I do have sympathy for the ref, to be honest, because 
I mean, I can only really judge it on kind of my much lower level experience. <laughs> but if if two players go tumbling to the floor, you're typically going to hit your whistle and give something. Now, unless you're 125% certain that it's actually the defender that's fouled the attacker, you're not going to point to the spot. So the safe way out of it is to give a defensive free kick. So I do have a little bit of sympathy for him with that one. Um, yeah, I know we've watched it three or four times on a replay and it's another shocker because, again, Glenn Murray said, there's just a moment where Spence actually wraps his left foot, I think it is, around the ball. So he's in control of the ball and then Adoma just comes clattering into him. So, yeah, again, it was a penalty, but it wasn't until I'd seen sort of maybe one or two replays that I actually thought, oh, actually, that was a foul. But Yeah, so um, that, was a bit, that was a bit more touching though for you then, rather than... Yeah, the I think it, whilst it, there were two penalties, I just I do have a bit of sympathy for why the second one wasn't given. Um in terms of the might and tackle, you know, yeah, I can't, I can't even help us out with that because I really don't know. Um, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's like he hasn't tried to play the ball. Let's, let's be honest, Johansson has no intention of playing the ball there. He's literally aggressively yeah. gone straight through Myton. But I guess the question is, is it dangerous and foul play? This is it. And it's like when it comes to refereeing, we talk about different levels. And it's like if that happened to me on, say, I don't know, Woodsort Park Rangers against San Diego in the NSL. Would I would I get lynched if I gave a red card? Probably not. The expectation <laughs> at that level of football would be that, I mean, for starters, if that happens on that sort of game, you're going to have 22 lads kicking lumps out of each other because it's just going to start World War Three. Um, but yeah, I just chaos. think that the assistant actually flags it on Friday night. So I wonder if the assistant's kind of flagged it and given him some, you know, correspondence down the mic. So I don't know if he's told him to give a yellow card, but... I think if he had been sent off, there was one last season, I think it was, when, um, or was it the season before? Yeah, the season before when we blew the playoffs. Um, <laughs> we played Swansea and Kyle Norton, I think it was on Martin again. Kyle Norton absolutely just, he just smashed him. Um, Punched him into the stands, much like Friday, yeah. Yeah, it was very similar, but the only difference was it was kind of a, a firm kick rather than kind of a, well, a, shot, a, body, a, shot, a charge body charge at hip yeah. high. Yeah, so... Um, there was kind of similarities with that, but I think on the basis that he didn't go like sort of flying in with his boots, his studs everywhere, uh, I think that's probably why the ref's gone with the yellow. But if he had a seen red, I don't think he could have had too many complaints, to be honest. That's fair enough. I saw well, some of the few comments I saw from the Forest fans was that it's one of those that was probably like, it was too much to just give yellow four, but maybe not enough for a red. I mean, obviously, there's no such thing as an orange card, but if there was such a thing, it would be that. Obviously, Reese, you have a very different take on that. What's your view on the... Um challenge we'll say um it's i'm going to say it is subjective um it's definitely one of them i wouldn't tell someone they are wrong if they said it was a red i just think that that is you know it's a, it's a it's not a nice challenge of course um, but that is definitely a you know playing football all my life one of them challenges letting know you're there you know, Martin's a tricky winger, he's a young lad, he's just come on, they're 1-0 up at home, and then he's just, you know, <clears throat> Luka Modric, off wish I kept calling him, it's just absolutely um, clattered him anti, but he's not gone in, you know, with his elbow, or his head, or his studs, so for me, you're probably right, in fact, somebody actually messaged me on Twitter saying they was a qualified ref as well, and they literally said it was an orange card as well. I think that's probably, I think that's probably about right to be honest um, for me personally. 
I think as well, what doesn't help this situation is that Mighton is very slight. So when, when yeah. someone's running at that speed and they're not particularly, you know, um, physically built, if, if that, for want of a better phrase, um, it can make something look worse. And I think a lot of people kind of, a lot of people who, who kind of haven't maybe played the game kind of don't understand that a certain, like Reese says, just a, you know, take one for the team, let him know you're there sort of challenge can actually look a lot worse than it actually is. I think if that had happened on, say, I don't know, um, Zinkenagel maybe, he, he's not going to go onto the front row. He, I mean, because it was mine, it just made it look so much yeah. worse, I thought, because he's so small and so sly. But yeah, it's, it, was a, it was a funny old one. That's true, I suppose as well. But yeah, as actually, I haven't even taken consideration to be fair. Mine must be bought about 50 kilograms and <laughs> flying into the stands. Um, it was, I suppose, there was a lot of like false dawns almost before us. I mean, like you said there earlier, Reese, like we had a lot of the ball. We, we looked, I thought one thing I thought was we actually looked quite good in the ball. I thought that it felt like Forrest had an extra second compared to QPR. We weren't rushing things, we were doing things quite calmly, and that was nice to see. But the final ball at times was a bit questionable, I thought. And like you sort of touched on earlier, um, we have to find a way of trying to make this sort of pressure count into actual opportunities and chances. Adam, what do you think is needed for that to take place? I know QPR were surprisingly well drilled, especially for Wolverton side, which defence is always a sort of the Achilles heel, if you like. But what do you think Forrest need to do to sort of maybe just get in behind a little bit quicker or get breakthrough slightly easier? Yeah, I think... I- I, I, do, I do agree with you, Christian. Second half, especially, they really shored up shop because Johnson wasn't getting in behind uh, Johan Barbe like he was uh, in the first half. Um, and I mean, I think I had a badge come on because someone got injured. Uh, so like, he, he obviously could match him for speed sort of thing. But um, I just thought personnel wasn't the right one for this game. I thought Zinconagel come on and didn't really do a lot. Um, I actually thought Lolly was 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 all right for us on Friday yeah, night. It was probably right, one of his yeah. better games. Um, Martin, yeah, tricky winger. Johnson just looked knackered second half. I don't really remember him getting getting in behind as much. And when whenever he got the ball, he just kept trying to spin him every time, and it just weren't happening. They were just getting right up him, getting right next to him. And they, they know he's not physical enough, and it's something that me and Reese touched on that he just needs to get on the weights a bit more. Yeah, it might take a bit of his of his speed away. But he'll be one hell of a player for maybe maybe not for too long for us, but for someone else, obviously. But um, yeah, I just thought, thought personnel. I, thought, I I know we bang on about it. I've I've like pretty much like come to the conclusion we're going to lose this player. But Carvalho would have been pretty good for this sort of game to unlock a unlock a door. But he's just not going to get the opportunity. I think we'll we'll end up seeing the the back of him in January. Um, yeah, just just need to speed it up a bit more. I think. More, more. That's I think that's like the, the big one, really. Speed it up. Have a bit of a different idea. Wingers need to interchange a bit more. I'd say, just have more shots. <laughs> but we had plenty of shots, so I can't really grumble. We we yeah. If I yeah, see a few sighters get take place, which wasn't happening before. So, <laughs> but no, yeah. It's I, I think the speed is what actually. It's quite funny because I would have taken Colback off. I actually felt Colback was one. I don't know. He just seemed. He seems to find a few space in behind him. Nor- normally his side, I found. And I was like, I would have probably hooked him before um, Lolly, to be honest. But obviously it wasn't to be any safe on his quarter winner or equalise. It was great news. But um, yeah, I mean, Lee, you've obviously been a good, a big fan of Colback. Do you think his shirt's pretty safe now after the last few games? 
yeah, I do, to be honest. Um, I was actually having a discussion with uh, one of the lads I go to the games with last night, and I was saying that um, it's actually got to the point where I think I'd maybe send Garner back, as controversial as that might be. Because Steve Cooper's obviously going to want, yeah, he's kind of, <laughs> Steve Cooper's probably going to want his own players in, and we've already got a fair few loans in the squad. Um, Spence and Lowe are going to keep playing, um, as bad as they probably were on Friday, but still, well, Spence was Spence was good. Spence <laughs> we was okay. Okay. Yeah, we Lowe was, Lowe was yeah. like complete the other end of the spectrum. But yeah, um, I just think there's going to we're probably not going to be, be able to go out and buy players, so there's going to be Steve Cooper's going to want loans in. Um, I mean, look, there's lots of games between now and um, Christmas and, well, January, but it, Garner could come in and he could be completely, you know, up, up for the challenge of wrestling the shirt off Colback. But at the same time, I just think Colback is, he does look tailor-made to play in this uh, this system. I, I know that, I think you said, Christian, on uh, Friday that you thought Colback was pretty poor, but what he does that I did like, he kind of, he's got a, a really good knack of kind of getting his toe to the ball first and winning his free kicks. And I think, that, yes, that kind actually, of, that yeah. kind of came to the fore on Friday. There was there was little moments where we were under the cosh and he kind of just get his foot there, um, and that one of their players would go clattering into it, and he just win as a nice cheap free kick to slow everything down. But yeah, I think his shirt is pretty safe. I think alongside Yates, I mean, who'd have thought Yates and Colback would be the the go to partnership? So yeah, I think uh, long may it continue for Colback. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I suppose we better get onto it. Um... Well, sooner rather than later, and hopefully it's not very uh, not very long, um, because obviously it, I think it's important as well that obviously Colback that moment from Colback the goal. I mean, fair enough to deflection, but who cares? And especially after the keeper was given like the lowest here some stick like with like five minutes to go, it's like why are you doing that? Why are you bringing pressure on yourself? You know what's going to happen. But um, and sure enough, it did. But it came obviously on the back of a pretty farcical four 0 thumping to Fulham, and you know. Obviously, for an hour of the game, Forrest looked in it, and then five minutes later, in the, after that, it completely fell apart. Uh, Reese, we spoke about Matrix before. We know how good he's a player, but surely it's frustrating when you literally gift a player of that ability goals rather than make him work for it. Yeah, I mean, don't because I was pulling my hair out. I mean, I predicted us to lose to Fulham, but. You know, you, there's a yeah. way of losing. No, it's just a way of losing. Well, there's not a way of losing, but I kind of thought if we lost to Fulham and we've given 100% and they've conjured up one bit of quality and the beat is fair enough, I can accept that. But when you're letting the best striker in the league by a country mile have a 10-yard free run after 10 minutes and he's then flicked it into the area and it's been bundled in pretty much by Spence, I'm just thinking... <laughs> You know, come on. And then second goal was even worse. You know, two oh, players climbing. Figueredo McKenna, yeah. On his edges. But and that happened in the first half as well between Yates and Graben at the up. Yeah, attacking was hacking Yates tackle his own then, player, yeah. And then, you know, Mitrovic, he's, he's in the, he's, he always seems to be in the right place at the right time. I know it was an easy finish, but that's a knack as a striker, but just being in a good position. Um. And then obviously scored a penalty. Someone from my work was like, you know, he didn't even really do much, Mitrovic, and he still scored twice. So, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's probably, you know, I'd even go as far to say probably the best player in the league or the most important player in the league because his goals is just really You know, he scored two yeah. again yesterday yeah. against West Brom, who are probably going to finish in at least the top six. 
So, and that, you know, we just completely fell apart then after that second. We was we was in the game until that second. Um, you know, we had two good chances. Johnson with his air shot first half and the grab and one second half, especially. Yeah, grab and one, especially. We literally just fell apart. They constructed one really good move to make it free. You know, Samba kind of gambled into that he was going to go across him and he left the near post open. And then, you know, we were just, you know, yeah, it's a bit of a clumsy challenge. And to be honest, it, at that point, it could have even been maybe more if they wanted to push through the gears a bit more. But that's just one of them games, unfortunately, you're going to get at. And we just had to obviously, you know, strike strike a line for it. And thankfully, we was able to get a decent result on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, it's about, I mean, sort of, Mitch, Mitch, I mean, um, for those listening, we're recording this on Halloween, literally Halloween, the 31st of October. Mitch, Mitch already has 18 league goals in 15 games. I mean, most strikers won't see the season out of 18 goals. He's got it by before November. Uh, he's not, he's not out of the question, assuming he avoids suspension and injury, that he could get 35, 40. But this ties in, um, obviously, you've been mentioning this in our group chat, Adam, about parachute payments. And I know Cooper made a big point of saying, look, we can only do what we can do, but... Again, you, know, you look at a table, like four out of top six of teams that have parachute payments attached to them. Um, obviously, there's nothing we can do as such, and the Premier League won't vote against it because it's in their interest. But there's got to be something that can be done surely to make this more competitive. Without a minute, <laughs> it's a bit of a joke, really. I mean, I mean, the, the league from like fourth downwards, even to like the bottom of the league, is really competitive because even like Sheffield United have kind of struggled with this uh, coming back down. Um, yeah, we've I mean, got identical I've, records to them, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I thought they would really splash it out almost, but I know they've got a massive wage budget. I mean, they've got the donkey McBurney up front, so I'm not surprised. I don't know how you get him off your wage bill because he's utter shit. Watch him score against score them on Tuesday. He's going to score yeah. on Tuesday now, yeah. But, um, I, just, I just feel like teams that are going up to the Premier League, they're already going to get like a ridiculous amount for TV um, and sponsorship revenue. So really, and re- realistically, after the time, they're, they're going to say, oh, we've got to fight relegation. So why don't they budget to fight, to basically say that, well, if we're thinking to get releg- we could get relegated, why aren't you budgeting it into when you come back to the championship, then you're not going to be a breach of financial fair play. Why should you then get another £100 million or whatever for getting relegated and then and spending too much money? It's just a bit of a. It's just a bit ridiculous, and I mean, it does sound bitter because obviously we've not reaped the rewards of it. And but then again, so like maybe fifteen, sixteen other championship clubs. Do you know what I mean? It's just a bit. It's a bit shit in that way. But when you've got like a bloke up front who's worth probably a good thirty million in Mitrovic, like like that, and then you're spending money on Harry Wilson, you've got a twenty-eight million pound centre defensive mid and John Terry who just absolutely bossed it against us. Um, what can you really do? Um, and even like Bournemouth have got Solanke up front, who's obviously now proven his worth there. £20 million striker, weren't he? Yeah, yeah well, they spent ridiculous money on him. Um, it's just it's just a bit mental. I know we spent £30 million on Carvalho and a load of people are going to say, well, what about you lot? And I was like, but we've done that over in installments and, and he's obviously not worth £30 million, but that's not his fault. So mm. it's just one of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm just bitter, Christian. That's all it is. <laughs> I think what makes it worse is you see Norwich. I mean, Norwich have lost again today. Shock horror. And they've now got two points from 10 games. The sheet records are seriously under threat. And what gets me is that they go up. They'll get. I mean, you can come bottom in the Premier League, get £100 million for the privilege. You go down and get a £40 million parachute payment. It's just like that just wipes out 
any FFP issues whatsoever. It's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, here we go again. But so, I mean, a keeper does have a point, though. You know, we're going to have to play these teams over the course of the season. We're going to have to find a way to beat them and get past them. It's on, it's on us to be better. But it isn't really a level playing field. But anyway, on to a team we do have a level playing field with was Bristol City. And <laughs> they were milliseconds away from securing their first home win in about since February, their first home win of the Pearson. And then <laughs> upstep Lyle Taylor, who managed to uh, get a noticeable amount donated to charity. Lee, um, I mean, I didn't see, I mean, I, I felt from that performance, much like the QPR game before Colbert scored, it warranted a draw. Did you see us snatch two goals in 50 seconds, I think it was? Do you even think that's a possibility? <laughs> like... No, not at all. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen that in my lifetime, to be fair. Um... <laughs> Stuff dreams are made of. It's nice for us to be on the right end of it rather than the other way around for a change. Yeah, so flashbacks yeah. to Reading. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was just nice. It was. Um, it was just refreshing. It was nice that we'd actually done a smash and grab on someone else. Um, but no, I mean, it was one of those games again where nothing kind of worked. You know, the bubble had almost burst. Perhaps um, one game too far. Those sorts of comments. But you know, we, we just dug deep and the mentality monsters were at it again. <laughs> um, Lee, uh, Reece, sorry, you've been. Um, I'm sure you were quite sort of like. I know you couldn't make the game, but you've been sort of like sat at home with a little bit of a smile on your face when you saw it was Taylor who not only scored the penalty, but then <laughs> grabbed the ball, went up the other end, and then it came off his chest. I'm sure for the second goal, and um, prodded it in. I'm, I'm sure, obviously, like that's probably the first time that we've actually. I mean, it was still a bit fortuitous that it fell to him from Molly's shot, but. No, it must be. He's for Taylor to score twice. It's a massive, it's a brilliant impact. I thought he was good against QPR as well. You must be very pleased about having called that several weeks ago. I mean, I'm not one of these who will go on Twitter and say, I told you so. You know, there is a lot of Forest fans out. Well, not a lot, but a few out there who are very, I told you so, and can't really revel in the team's victory. Um, you know, fair play to Taylor because, you know, he's been slated to the rafters and to, to at penalty in the last minute and with a conviction he did took some fucking bollocks hmm. you know and I, got, I can't imagine the abuse he would have took if he had missed it so to you know take it and then you know yeah he does get he does get a bit lucky with a second but he's in the right position and I've said I've said this before he's a back post striker well, you know surprise surprise the ball's at the back post he's turned it in so yeah, it was crazy, crazy result. And the even crazier thing was it nearly even happened again at QPR the other night. We yeah, we looked like after we went one one that we could um, you know, win this. And people saying around us like, surely not again. <laughs> um how much more body could take me. But the only disappointing <laughs> thing was to me, um, because I was I was watching it on the red button, um, me and my partner seen it went one one. And then she, I looked at her and I, I, she kind of gave me that, that face and I was like, don't tell me they've gone down the fucking other end and scored. And she was like, no, we have. So it was like a bit behind. <laughs> so obviously, I was like kind of waiting for us to score, but absolutely crazy. And I'm still kicking myself a bit that I didn't, you know, drive down to it and go because I haven't been to Ashton Gate. But yeah, just... Crazy, crazy end to the game. Yeah, it was it was pretty remarkable. And I think as well, to be honest, the moment I thought at QPR we'll get something 
was when Taylor charged down that goal kick and his back heel somehow evaded two QPR players, even though he's clearly playing for a throw and um, found the forest, found the red shirt at that point. I thought, you never know. But um, we actually earlier, Ryan Yates, um, it was his ball to Spence that won the penalty, a forward ball as well. Adam, I know you've been a fan of his part. I mean, I mean, I'll take full credit. I mean, this is someone that has not really the cause the divide of opinion, but really we're being brutally honest under the last two managers, under the last 70 games for this season. It hasn't really been good enough for Nottingham Forest. But ever since Steve Cooper's come in, it's not, he was my man of the match against QPR. He was absolutely brilliant. He was winning tackles. He was getting forward. He was playing the right balls. You know, he was doing everything you'd want a central midfielder to do. So has he been criminally misused for the last two years? Have we been too harsh? Or is it just a case of someone just found a way to unlock him at the best out of him? What do you think, Adam? I think a combination of all three you just said, Christian. I mean, when he first came onto the scene, because I seen him play at Notts County, and I thought, he looks a good player, looks like he could do a job. Um, and then when Martin O'Neill brought him in, he st- I think he scored in the first two games, maybe. And I thought, well, West Brom, didn't he? Yeah. yeah and, and then I think he scored against someone else. And I was like, telling everyone, I was like, I told you, look how good this kid is, look how good he And then, like, about five games later, I went, fucking hell, he's awful. Like, what was I on about? <laughs> like, and I know that's really quick turnaround sort of thing, but it was like all the time, like how bad he was. And even like one of my mates who hadn't really seen for she went, who is that Yates in centre mid? He is dog shit. And I was like, I, I know. I was like, I think I got it wrong. Um, But may, maybe we've been misusing him. Maybe it's just Steve Cooper's actually put a com- put arm around his shoulder and go, look, I think you are this. You can do this. You are a good player. I want you to do this a bit more. And maybe he's just like took that on board and tried it. And then obviously his confidence has got up because he's, he played like a no look 35 yard diag to Johnson. Oh God, and me and Reese nearly about fell are. over. It was, un- <laughs> it was like the best pass I've ever seen that didn't lead to a goal. <laughs> that, yeah. Um, I remember that. that. That was quite, that was quite a sight that. Yeah. Like I mean, Lampard-esque. Yeah. And like, and like you say, he, he was winning the ball back. He was starting attacks. And I just think even there was even moments where, uh, back three could have given the ball so many times in the half turn and I think hopefully he will learn this that he could just push into the space a little bit more and he'll get a lot of the ball on the half turn and he, on, on the half turn sorry and he's at team's defences almost and they're like running backwards and then he's got options obviously left and right and it makes it a lot a lot easier for your midfielder to pick, pick those sort of passes because um, a lot of the time he's getting the ball and it's having to go backwards or sideways but we need to start Getting getting our centre mids on a on a half turn and and at, and at teams really, I think we'll get a lot more joy, and we'll see a lot better Forest side in my opinion. Um, and long may it continue. I mean, if Yates, we've still not got to forget he has been shit for sixty odd games, seventy games for Forest. But if he's like this, come May, then fair fucks to him. No, you know I mean, yeah, I think I think like we said in the show um, on this pod before, it's a consistency thing. Like I mean. Um, we were saying it when um, after he, uh, he had that brilliant game at Huddersfield, didn't he? And everyone was like, oh, where are the eighters? It was like, you know, he's literally had one good game. But now we're like seven, eight games in and he's still performing at our standards. So you have to say fair play to him for that. And like I said, like, I don't know if it's because he's playing five, ten yards higher up the pitch. If he's going to do, maybe that's where he's more impactful, whatever else. But you know, he looks a completely different player. And, you know, like I said, long may it continue. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll start the inaugural Ryan Yates podcast fan club. Who knows what a, what a 360 turn that would be. So anyway, but another player that's been uh, scrutinised, perhaps fairly or unfairly, was uh, Free Samba. And 
Oh, Lee, obviously you played the net bit, so I'm going to come to you for this one. But I think what got me was that it was a goal we can see the first goal against Fulham. I saw people say, oh, he was at fault, which was ridiculous because it's got deflection past him. There's literally nothing he can do about it. And I was behind the goal at QPR, literally behind the goal that um, both the goals came in. And as soon as Adoma beat Spence and pinged that ball and hung it up, you just knew it was in. Like There was nothing anyone could do. Dykes there, unmarked. You knew it was in. And yet you look at Twitter and the first thing people are saying is, Samba's shit is near post or Samba's is like, he's not, he's not even to blame. Like, I don't understand why he's like the go-to person. Like it's a classic. We've seen the goal. It must be Samba's fault, sort of thing. Almost. Obviously, you played in that. You know, it's not the easiest job in the world. <laughs> Most managers, experts will say it's the hardest. Even what was your what's your take on Samba's current moment in time? Well, I mean, first of all, I, w- I was very, very average in goal. I mean, some people, some <laughs> it's all right, people, it's all right. You some people would say average was generous. To be fair, but uh, <laughs> no, I think it's. I don't think it's just a Samba thing. I do think Forest fans are very. Whoever's in goal, every goal we concede is, oh, yeah, keep should have done better. I've, I've never known a fan, but my mate's actually a Sheffield United fan, and through work and that, he, he looks at some Forest, he looks at our timeline quite a lot. And he actually says he's never known a fan base like Forest. Maybe he thinks Arsenal are a pretty close second, Jesus, but he's never, he's never known a Twitter <laughs> fan base like Forest for flip flopping between someone being really good and someone being absolutely dog shit. It's, it's so, in terms of Samba, I actually. He deserves criticism this season. I've got to be honest. I think yeah, he does. Particularly the first seven games under Hewton. Mm. I'm not even funny. I think in every game he cost us a goal. At least well, one. We were all saying on this pod, play Horvath. All of us, yeah. to like Sir Man, were saying, play Horvath, play Horvath. When he gets his chance and fucking gives away a goal, <laughs> back in comes Greece again. Yeah, but I mean, I do think since Cooper's coming, I actually think he's been a lot steadier, to be fair. Um, yeah, his positioning let him down a little bit uh, at Bristol City. But I still maintain that it was a shite pass in the middle of the park that got them in possession in the first place. So, I mean, it's it's always the... It's an old cliche, isn't it? But your goalkeeper's only as good as those that are in front of him. It might sound mm. like something that you wear under 10s, but it's kind of true. And I think it was evident on Friday because, like you say, Samba's not going to be anywhere there other than covering his near post. So, by the time... I mean, you always attack a high ball kind of from, from deep. So that you're running kind of up, you know, running into it. So he was never going to be able to do that. He was never going to be able to collect it. Um, and then Max Lowe almost like he ducked out of the way of the ball. I think if he'd have just stayed in an upright jumping position, I think the ball would have just hit him square in the head, to be honest. But mm. somehow it was Samba's fault. So I just find it bizarre. It's like people talk about Yates and the, the vendetta that people have got to, you know, maybe got against him. It's, it's similar with Samba. It's every, literally every single time he concedes a goal, it's, oh, he should have done better. Well, I mean, he plays for Forest, who have not been in the Premier League for 20 years. He's not going to say, does a goalkeeper that saves every single shot that's placed at him exist? No. no. Um, so, you know, listen, he needs to improve. He's got some competition now. Um, but I still think on his days that he's a pretty solid championship goalkeeper. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I'm... My personal view is that I think he, sh- he could be stronger in his near post. I think that's like an area that's let him down quite frequently in the past, especially this season. I think that maybe his, his command of the area could be better. But I think as a sh- his distribution's probably one of the best in the league. Um, I think as a shot stopper, very, very strong, more often than not. I don't know. I think, yeah, you can always want, you always want better position, better for what you have, of course. But I don't know. I, I find it a little bit strange that he's sort of the, the go-to every time you see the goal. Like, oh, bang, it must be his fault. Bang, it must be his fault. It's a bit like... Mm. I don't know, doesn't quite sit right with me that. Um, 
although it does lead on to another issue in the clean sheets have been something that have been quite hard to come by in recent times, which is a bit of a concern. Reese, um, what do you think is the solution to that? Um, I mean, I mean, the goal on Friday, I mean, I'm not going to blame Samba for that. It's a free header for fuck's sake. You know, it, you know, you can't defend the crowd. We didn't defend, you know, Spence has got himself skinned on the touchline, on the byline, should I say, and they've, he's put in a great ball, David, but it's a free header for Dyke. You know, the person to blame for that goal is probably Spence for getting skinned by an old man, and then, um, <laughs> you know, who's man, who's, out this. Yeah, <laughs> whose man, whose man was died? It was a completely free it header. Low. It was low. I mean, I mean yeah. It was, it was, well, as well, it was really annoying because, like, yeah, my dad next to me said that, oh, like he's free. Low's not marking anyone. As soon as the ball came to the other side, and then, yeah. Um, I mean, the the Brist, like a touchdown with the Fulham game, he gambled into for the third and forty. Um, was it Cabano who scored the third for Fulham before mm. he was going across him and Five left his near post three, which is a bit poor, really. Um, but and, you know, the, the Bristol City goal as well, he, he got his positioning a bit wrong. And because of the uh, wet and that the pitch was, he's pushed it out and it's just stopped dead. And the, but again, their players coming unmarked, mm. and, and that come from us doing them stupid short corners, what we kept doing in that game. And that, that allowed them to come yeah. up the pitch when we was in the ascendancy a bit then. Um, the, pro- the problem, not a problem, but I see with Samba is when he came to us, he followed a lot of absolutely awful goalkeepers. And then with he literally had a really, really good spell and he was made out by a majority of the fan base to be better than Camp Prime and Lee Camp and De Vries and he never was. No, and he's nowhere near the camp level. Over time, he's been pretty. You know, there has been times when he, you know, he should have done better. But you know, I'm going to go on the flip side here. He made a save at Bristol City to keep us in the game, tipped onto the post, or did he tip it wide? I don't know why the ref didn't give a corner for that. Um, so he's one of them. I mean, I think I've touched on previous pods. It can be a bit casual at times. Me and Adam said that on Friday when he, he did like a scoop in the second half, which was really strange to one of his defenders. But I think overall he's been decent enough. You know, people might argue we need better. Fair enough. But like we said, we wanted Orvath in the team. He came into the team and he made an absolutely glaring error. So obviously that knocked him back again. Um, in regards to the actually the original question, the clean sheets... I don't, I don't know because I mentioned to Adam on Friday because we, we're playing the same back five every week. You know, it's been a lot of midweek games recently. It's kind of a shame, really, we haven't got, you know, like an Mbe So on the bench or another competent wing back on the bench, so we can kind of rotate it a little bit because that back five has played. You know, I know Figs he keeps bringing Figs off. That back five has played pretty much ever since Cooper come in for the majority, for 90 minutes, apart from Figueredo. Um, yeah, we've just got to just keep his concentration a bit more, really. Mm-hmm. I think, but, you know, we are, you know, it's a championship defence. We are going to give up chances. And against the better sides, like your Fulhams, like we saw, we're going to get punished, especially when it's, you know, glaring errors. But 
Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what the answer to that is, you know, to keep more clean sheets, really. Just, you know, like I say, probably just a bit more concentration at all times. <laughs> Try and cut out the silly errors, yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's a fair point. And like I said, like, when you get to the point where you look at a goal and you think they haven't had to work for it or that was completely avoidable, I think that's what annoys you, isn't it? Because, you know, individual errors, old split side football matches. So, yeah, it's frustrating when it happens, but hopefully we can start. I saw, um, I don't know who it was actually. I think it might be more talking about it, but um, Alan Tate was basically around the mess of Homestead that, you know, you have to start getting clean sheets from happens. So hopefully they're looking at that and obviously they have a big chance to do that very soon over the international break. Um, anyway, we're going to go to something a bit more fun now. Uh, we asked you a question, which of course was, what is your favourite away ground to go to? And, you know, obviously seeing as Forest's the reason for that was our Forest had the highest average away attendances after 15 game weeks, I'll say, because it would have gone up. We brought 3,000 to QPR, so we'll still be top. And the average before the QPR game was 2,339 of us have gone to watch the Reds on the road, which has had some interesting results <laughs> and some amazing moments as well, as obviously those of Bristol City went. So you know, what was your favourite away ground and why? And so we'll start. So Ash Davis says, Selfish United, hate the club and its fans, but it's a class day out, good atmosphere in a proper old school stadium. Aid Smith says, Stockport, fab away day from the pub to the grounds, also a massive soft spot for Main Road. And I love the concert Main Road before. Um, and David Jones finally says, Molyneux, two great away days in 2012 and 2014, including Guediora and Sharp goals, and the 3 0 under Pierce when a Sombolong with Friat were firing. Right, firing, bloody hell. Um, great pub, the Great Western, the home pub, but very friendly to away fans with awesome beer. Uh, so, yeah, I haven't actually been to Molyneux yet. So, that I've, I really wish I went that year with Karanka. We won 2 0, but never mind. Um, so, anyway, boys, um, we'll start with Adam. What is your favourite away ground that you've been to? I mean, I, I really enjoyed going to Griffin Park at Brentford. Um, I'm, I'm friends with uh, Billy Grant, who's who's obviously getting great success now being one of the, he's like a big podcaster there for them and he gets a lot of good access. He's been on BBC Five Live um, with Micah Richards and Mark Chapman and, and those guys. So really pleased with him. And it's really good. It's an old school ground and it terraces and all that. Loads of pubs, like pub on every corner, I think it is. But I think his, for the historic ground, I'd say Villa Park is just like magnificent. It's so good. Mm. Um, you can, you, you just, you go up, they've got like this big staircase sort of thing and it's you, you just go, this is a big club um, with a lot of history and they I think they we've got a bit of like a soft spot for each other really because we're like kind of former Euro champions. Yeah, but like we're not we're not we're not like Liverpool or Man United sort of esque, but we we kind of acknowledge we like tip the hat to each other sort of thing. But <laughs> Villa Park is fucking beautiful. What a ground! So yeah, I'd say Villa Park. That's that's yeah. That's uh, I think um, that's a great shout. It probably would be mine as well. I was playing mine a bit. Uh, Lee, let's go to you. What's your favourite away ground? And why is it St Andrews? <laughs> uh, yeah, so highly def- of that before. <laughs> it's absolutely not St Andrews. It's absolutely not Molyneux. <laughs> Um, the, the one time I just quickly touch on that the one time I went to Molyneux we lost 5-1 it was our first away game back in the championship oh, and Michael Kiteley turned into a prime Ryan Giggs it was absolutely embarrassing I think we were 4-0 down at half time it was awful um, I've got some honourable mentions um, I quite like Uddersfield 
quite like yeah. Stoke. Um, just not just the grounds, but actual days. You know, things that are near it. Stoke is for the ground. There's not a lot near there. Yeah. Uh, but Uddersfield, particularly, it's quite near the city centre. Um, lots of nice boozers, friendly people. Um, Corth Man City was nice. We went there in the FA Cup. Quite a nice stadium. Same with the Emirates. Atmosphere wasn't great at the Emirates, I didn't think, but nice yeah, ground. Um, Villa Park is nice. I agree with Adam, but I've not seen Forest there, so I can't really go with uh, that. Yeah. Um, I, I am going to agree with Ash Davis, to be fair, and say Sheffield United for the whole package. Um, I sometimes think, what would Forest be if it wasn't for the fact that we'd ever won two European Cups? And I guess you could probably say we'd be a little bit like Sheffield United. Sizable mm. ground. A um, little bit of history, but not a great deal to write home about. So um, it's quite noisy inside. Um, it's not in a great state. It could probably do with a lick of, the last time I went, it could have done with sort of a lick of paint. But, you know, Sheffield as well, great city to go out in. Um, so, yeah, I'm going for Sheffield United. And Reese, what's your favourite away grounds? It's not Bramall Lane because I still have <laughs> scars from um, that playoff game there. Oh, as a gosh, as yeah. a young kid, um, I agree with you and Adam Villa Park and Griffin Park. Yeah, really good. I just have a real soft spot for Kenilworth Road. It's an absolute dive, but <laughs> the only time I went there was when we won two one, and it absolutely tipped it down. And you you literally just had like all rows of terrace houses and literally is this football stadium in the middle. We've obviously we've all seen the away end and the walk up the stairs and looking into people's back gardens and that. And I just I just thought this is I don't know whether because of the weather as well, I thought this is just proper proper football. Proper football, you know, and you know, I'm not this is someone who's been to some of the best stadiums in the world. So <laughs> um yeah, I just, I just don't know. Just something about it. I don't know whether it was because of the day as well. You know, I just remember like <laughs> Ryan Yates in short sleeves, absolutely soaked. And I was like, fucking hell, it absolutely tipped it down that day. And we actually played really well that day. The 1 2 1 was pretty comfortable. I remember grabbing score um, 1 1. Yeah, he missed an absolute sitter before that as well. But then, <laughs> in Quite a typical grab and fashion, really. He scored the harder chance. He like, bullied their defender out of the way one on one and finished it brilliantly. So, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Kenilworth Road for me. Nice. I think. Um. I. I yeah. Mine is the same side. Mine is Villa Park. I was thinking about it as well. I am quite a bit of a sucker for the older grounds. So I, I, I enjoy Sellers Park. I enjoy the Valley, the London ground, like Craven Cottage as well. I think in terms of picturesque scenery. Craven Cottage is the only, only real ground that rivals the city grounds. Um, I get the feeling as well, like, I had, I didn't watch a game there, but Goodison Park, I went round. It was um, very much like what Adam said. You walk round it and think this is a proper football club. And it's quite cool. Um, but yeah, Villa Park, definitely for me. I think as well, really, um, like you touched on there, the, the new grounds, it's difficult. Like, apart from, I mean, Brighton a bit out, a bit different because Brighton have sort of done it quite right. But apart from Stoke and Millwall, all the new grounds seem quite soulless, whereas I suppose they're based on traditional grounds, which may be why they're not so out, if that makes sense. But yeah, I've had a great day at Swansea. Um, I thought I'd try and relinquish playoff demons <laughs> like you touched on, Reese, and uh, we won 1-0. And I was on Semedo scores. Um, that was a really good away day. Uh, Upson Park, was a huge fan of Upson Park. Um, saw Forest twice there in the FA Cup third rounds. Both times we lost 3-2. 
but great day for both times. And yeah, White Hart Lane was fun. Yeah, I think definitely more traditional stadiums, but uh, Villa Park gets a nod for me, absolutely. And just for your, um, just because it's international break, this this poll will carry over to the international break. Uh, we've got something quite fun for you. Adam, I believe you have a quiz for us, which is, yes, left field. Let's go. Uh, yeah, so it's not like a traditional quiz. So it's like a bit of a competition between the three of you. So how it will work is I'll ask a question and then each of you need to basically uh, say an answer uh, to my question and it will basically be like a last man standing. So if you get it wrong, you're out. Okay. So, the well, first... we all get it right. We're here for hours. Well, you know, you know, you'll keep. You, there's, there's, there's a limit, so that will end. Okay. If, but I think, I think there will be a one, one person winner. I've got three. So the first one is, so since 2017, we have signed 55 permanent players. <laughs> um, in 2017, we signed 14, and I want you to name them. So I'm going to start with you, Christian, because you are the host of this. So you get first round pick. Name your player. What was the year again? Sorry. 2017. So it's the first year Maranakis came in. First year Maranakis came in. So Karanka would have still been in charge, right? He came in that year, yeah. Uh, Oh, sorry. So it was Warburton's year. year Warburton's first year. Yeah, Warburton was in charge, yeah. yeah. So... Was that when we signed Barry Mackay that year? We signed Barry Mackay, yeah. Lee, yeah. I'll go to you next. Jason Cummins. Jason Cummins, <laughs> yes. Come dog, fuck me. Bruce Lee. Tendai Dariqua. Tendai Dariqua, incredible, yes. Back to you, wasn't, Lee. Um, not back to you, Lee. Back to you, Christian, sorry. Wasn't Daryl Murphy our marquee signing? Yeah, Daryl Murphy is on there. £2 million. Pounds. Fucking donkey, honestly. <laughs> Liam Bridcut. Liam Bridcut, go on. Oh, just took, just took my, just, great knowledge. Just, just took mine, Lee, there. Go on. Um, Bouchilakis. Bouchilakis, yep. Back to you, Christian. It, we're talking of summer, right? Not January. Both, both. Summer and January. Both. Yep. Oh, yeah. uh, Gaboli Arigibi, who never kicked a ball for us, but we <laughs> That's signed a great him. answer. He is not on there, so you oh, are. Is he not? Nope. No! <laughs> So oh, damn it. oh I, I think Gary Brazil signed him, didn't he? So to you, is it the calendar oh. year then, Adam? So it's the yeah. calendar year of 2017. I, I don't, it just says 2017, 2018. So yeah, okay. Oh, um, Joe Lolly, Joe Lolly, yep. Yeah. Um, ben Watson, yep. Back to you, Lee. Oh, it's getting tricky now. <laughs> I've got a couple sign, as well. <laughs> did we sign? Tobias Figueredo that yeah, year. Yeah, we did. Um, the Jagger, the Iranian. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. You've got four left. I've it's got two. one in my mind. I've, I think I've worked one. I'm, not, I'm yeah. not sure if this is true, but I'm going to give it a whirl. Costel Pantilimon. Nope. You are out. Uh, well, unless Reese gets this. Um, Fuentes, the yep. left back. Yeah, Fuentes. Oh, and then the last three were Capino, Guadiora, and Liam Bosson. <laughs> Liam who? Liam Bosson. Jesus Christ. I didn't know we were doing academy players as well. <laughs> well, we got signed like... for the first team, I believe. So he was on the list. I didn't, didn't realise Grant was on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the second one is a uh, blast from the past. Our last bit of glory was in 2017, 2018. 2017, 2018. What am I? 2007, 2008. What am I about? Um, I want you to name the squad. 
So if they made more than five appearances, it counts. Uh, and I'm going to start with Reese Seaman. He won the last round. Uh, we'll start with a goalie, then Paul Smith. Yep. On to you, Lee. Um, Junior Agogo. Junior Agogo is on there, yeah. Uh, Julian, Julian Bennett was our left back. Julian Bennett, yeah. Reese. Uh, Luke Chambers. Luke Chambers, yeah. Wes Morgan. Yeah. Who do we have at right back? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nicky Southall played one of the five games at the I believe. Nicky Southall's not on here. Oh, what? He's no. gone by that, Yeah. Oh, gone, aren't he? Uh, back to me, then. Yeah. Um, Wes Morgan. Yeah. No, Wes Morgan's been said. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, I apologise. Um, McGugan, then. McGugan, yeah. You have to take your first answer, I'm afraid, Reese. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nathan Tyson. Nathan Tyson, yeah. Um, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> Clinging the crab. Clinging the crab, yeah. Sammy. Sammy the crab. How have I not said him? Favourite player. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ian Brecken. Ian Brecken, yeah. Um, oh, God. This is a bit of a gamble, but Grant Holt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, James Perch. James Perch, yeah. I wonder if he was playing right back that year. I just can't remember who a right back was. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. There is one big name you're both missing, by the way. I just realized. A few big names you're missing. Mm. Careful, I think that might be my next one. <laughs> Come on, um, Reese. Gonna have to push you. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling, so I'm gonna go Matty Fornell. Matty Fornell, yeah. Baseford legend, of course. <laughs> That's all on this pod. Kelvin Wilson. Kelvin Wilson, yeah. <laughs> this is another stab, but Matthew Lockwood. Yep. Wow. God, I remember him. I remember we beat Leighton Orient 4 0, and, and he was like, yeah, he, he was like, Roberto Carlos. Yeah. His, his only good game for us, sort of thing. But yeah. um, um, Chris Cohen. Yes, of course. Oh, oh um, Aaron Davis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Signed him off one performance. <laughs> um, God. The I've substitute got one. appearances count. Pardon? The substitute appearances. It just says it all I got from five. Wikipedia was appearances. I've so, got two good ones. So yeah, I'd assume so. I'm gonna go for a, a bit of a risk. Um Emile Sinclair. No, <laughs> not on oh, there. So Reese needs Reese Reese, you won that one. I'm, you I've got first. two. You went you went first yeah, anyway, well, so you've won was, it. But the goalkeeper, so the sub goalkeepers, Roberts, don't remember him. Dale Roberts, yeah. Dale Roberts, Richardson, yeah. don't remember him. No, I don't think he's played. Neil Lennon, Chris Cummins, Gareth McCleary, <laughs> Scott Dobby, Cummins. Brett Ormerod, Will Hossard, Felix Bastians, Brendan Maloney, and Nathan. Is it Nathan? No, someone Burn, which I can't remember. Nathan what his Burn, person. Yeah. Was Nathan Burn? Mark Burn, yeah. Burn. Mark Burn, yeah. So I remember him missing an absolute sutter against Darwin. Reese has won the quiz, but we'll do the last one for fun. So this is a championship the related spoon, one. The wooden spoon. This is a championship related <laughs> one. Um, I want you to name the managers of the championship clubs. What, uh, the current ones? What, the now? current ones, yep, including uh, the one at Cardiff. Um, uh, so, Lee, we'll start with you because you've not started first. Um, Steve Cooper. Well, yeah, go on. <laughs> um, Granny Shagger Wayne Rooney. 
<laughs> yeah, Granny Shaka Wayne Rune. Uh, Marco Silver at Fulham. Yep. Scott Parker. Scott Parker, yep. Uh, Valerian Ismail. Yep. Uh, Neil Critchley Blackpool. Yep. Yep. The weird little man, Nathan Jones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it Michael O'Neill? Yep, Michael O'Neill, yep. Yeah. Um, Pearson, Bristol City. Yep. Tony Mowbray. Yep. Is it Carlos Calderon at Huddersfield? Yep, yep, yep. Super Neil at Borough, Neil Warnock. Neil Warnock, yeah. Um, Marcus Shop. Marcus Shop, yeah. I didn't think anyone would get him. No, I was, I was struggling. Um, fine margins, Mark Warburton. <laughs> <laughs> um, Savisa Yukanovic at Sheffield United. Yeah. Um, Russell Martin. Yep. Uh, Mark Robbins, Coventry. Yep. Uh, Grant McCann, Hull. Yep. Um, oh, it's getting tricky. Velko Paunovic at Reading. I didn't think anyone would get him. I'm not going to lie. That is a shout. Uh, the guy with the really, really shit trainers, Gary Rowett at Millwall. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Darren Ferguson, Peterborough. Yup. How many have we got left? Three. I've got a Great. tie break. So. Neil Critchley? No, it's I've been said. Oh, um, Mark Robbins. No, been said. Oh, I'll give you one more opportunity. Honestly, has anyone said the Cardiff caretaker yet? No, no. Steve Morris. Yeah, Steve Morrison. Steve Morrison was there. Yeah. Sammy says two clubs left. Two clubs left. Who's at Preston? Yeah, the Preston manager's a strange one because it was like their assistant, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like someone from the Alex Neil group. It's him, and there's what? There's one more. One more we need. So it shoots. Have you said Gary Bowyer, Birmingham? You mean Lee Bowyer? Yeah. Lee Bowyer, sorry. Yeah, yeah. We I'll give you that. Now. Yeah, and then it's the Preston manager. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> I've, I've, I've looked. I've looked. I literally looked a few weeks I ago. Do I, like, I had no idea who their manager is. And I'm, I'm sticking with that. I can't remember his name. What is it? Frankie, Frankie McAvoy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah Frankie, Frankie McAvoy. So the tiebreakers, because you're pretty much all got them. Uh, who is the longest serving? Actually, I'll give you the longest serving. It's Tony Mowbray. Yeah. Uh, how long has he been in charge? And I want to know the closest. So is I'll start. Year or... So it's year, month, and day. So he's been in charge for more than a year. Um, so we'll go say... with you first, Christian. I want to say February. No, just say year. Just say year. Oh, 2017. <laughs> how many years is that? Four. Four. So you go I four years. He, he came in as a sort of like a firefighter, I think. When, a firefighter. How many more yeah. went the year when they went out instead of us on gold? Yeah, he came in, didn't he? Yeah, so I think it's 2017. So, so I'm going to go 2018 because it's obviously if he's what side of the season it is. Yeah, I'll place myself the other side then and go 2016. <laughs> so if you're going to go the closest, it will be Reese. So he's been in charge for four years, eight months and eight days. So you were right. 2017 was right. Like... Yeah, so Christian then. Yeah. Hey, the wooden spoon. Wooden spoon. <laughs> and that, that is that is my quiz of the week. Love that. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a lot of fun. Love that. <laughs> um, 
anyway, we'll move on now to the final part, which is predictions. So we'll start with... So we've got Sheffield United on Tuesday. That's on the sky red button. Then we have Preston uh, at home, two home games in Rome on the Saturday. But it's international break. And then we have the most glamorous away trip, the whole football league, Reading away when we come back. <laughs> what, what a sigh, what a sigh. What a lovely place that uh, everyone loves spending time in. Um, so Sheffield United, so we'll start about Maxlow can't play because he's ineligible. And Ollie McBurley's now going to score against us because of you, Adam. So, <laughs> Reese, we'll start with you. What's your prediction? I thought I f- forgot about Max Lowe couldn't play. Um, Gate and Bond. <laughs> oh, God. Who's the, who is their right mid? Because I think me and Adam discussed this. Oh, Morgan night. Gibbs was, White, maybe, I think, Reece. Yeah, maybe Gibbs White. Oh, Jesus Christ. FM1, the kid. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> um... It kind of it, it kind of depends, really. I mean, half. I mean, Bong's been on the bench ever since Cooper's come in. So to me, that either says Drag is absolutely dire, or he's just not fit. Hmm. Um, I'm probably going more towards the latter because he should not played either. Yeah. I mean, you, you with Bong. I mean, it wasn't a case of I don't think he was performing for the manager. I just think he just can't perform oh. at this level. Hmm. Um, so that is a you got to give him a chance, and I guess because it is a new manager, but that is a bit of a concern. Um, but they're they're very inconsistent, Sheffield United. Again, this is something I said to Anna um, to Adam Yukanovic. There was a lot of clamour for us to get him on big money. Now he took a Watford side up, what had Vidra and Dini up from who was lethal, um, and. You know, he got the cheat code into him, Mitrovic at Fulham because um, they were struggling before that. So, yeah, they were quite struggling before they got Mitrovic that season when they actually went up. So, I think he feel he's a little bit overrated, really, Jukanovic. Um And Chris Wilder's kind of left them in a bit of a shitty with the players he's left them with. You know, he's got loads of mega money strikers who none of them are really... You know, they're looking to Billy Sharp. <laughs> you know, how old's Billy Sharp now? Mid thirties, late towards late thirties. So that is a game. I, you know, they're always a bit feisty for us, Chef United. We've got. A, I don't know what it is from their end. I think it's probably more from our side. We don't really like Sheffield United. Um, I do think we can beat them. I do think yeah. we can beat them. Um, I'm going to go for a one nil. Nice. Um, I think it'll be tight. Similar. You know, brings me back to the Karanka game under them. A bit of quality from the um, the man who shall not be named, Cross, and obviously grabbing and um, turned it in against him under Karanka. Um, Preston are one of them teams. We <laughs> there's always a hashtag on Twitter. I don't know if you guys have seen it called teams, of like, teams Preston. like Preston, and I fell into that trap a few years ago. Um, they always they will be similar to Blackpool where I think they'll make it really tough for us and they always seem to make it tough for us I can't really remember the last time I beat Preston at home we lost him on the last day of last season we lost under Karanka 1-0 at home and we drew 1-1 under Lamouche so that's the last three seasons so they always make it difficult for us so and it's kind of one of them teams who Forest fans all think oh we should beat them but and I, I am going to go for us to win that one as well. I'm going to go two one, but it wouldn't surprise me if that did end in a draw. Yeah. That one, but I am going to be positive and say two one to Forest. 
And finally, Reading. Oh shit! It's not about Reading. <laughs> very easy. Um, very easy to do. Oh yeah. Well, say no more about um, Reading. Um, <laughs> I predicted two wins and I forgot about Reading now. So again, <laughs> that's um, it's a game we can win. But I was looking at their team last night because there was a late game again. Um, and they seem to have um, a starting eleven. And it's very much a mixture of youngsters on the bench because I don't think they made a sub last night and it was 2-0 down. So that seemed, kind of tells you what you need to know, really. Mm. Um, again, that is a game we can win. Um, but I am going to... Because I've said 1-1 for press, I said 2-1 for press, and I'm going to kind of go on the flip side with Brown and go 1-1 for that one. Okay. Okay, so, Lee, what are your predictions? Um, difficult, isn't it? At the minute, um, I think we could beat Sheffield United. I don't know why. I just they are very inconsistent. Um, I think they're. I think they're trying to play a four-two-three-one, but from what a Sheffield United fan tells me, they've not really got the players to use a four-two-three-one. So I think we could perhaps take advantage of that. Um, let's go two-one with Super Benny Osborne scoring their goal. <laughs> um. Well, it's going to be an ex-Forest player, let's face it. it was just yeah, there's quite a few to choose from. <laughs> yeah, just hope it's not Jack Robinson, I suppose. Um, Preston, tricky one. 2016, I think we last beat them at home. Yeah. Nelson Oliveira scored, I think. But I could be <laughs> um, We should beat them. Um, I think kind of... Alarm bells are ringing for their manager, so... See Reese's like, face light up, the whole team's like Preston thing that Lee's going to fall into at five yeah, o'clock. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> no, I, there's a lot to admire about Preston. They recruit quite well and this, that and the other, but I think we'll beat them. I, I realise I'm being quite ambitious here. That's six points already. <laughs> um, at the score, I'll go for 3-1 against Preston. 3-1. Nice. 3-1, yeah. And then... Ryan uh... Yates is going to score. Um... <laughs> Reading the trip to Berkshire yeah yeah another random club random place weird fans still moaning about that waterlogged pitch aren't they <laughs> almost getting our grounds next to a river um, I think they might beat us you know I've just got an horrible feeling one of them one of those days we are I thought we'd lose to QPR I thought we'd probably lose to Bristol City we could have lost both those games quite easily so I think we are due kind of a Perhaps a sub, you know, a subpar performance away. So let's go a, a two 0 Reading win. Oh, sadly, awful. And Adam, what are your predictions? I mean, um, apart from a Bernie scoring, of course. I mean, we've got we've got your predictions as well as well, uh, Christian. Let's not forget you. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I think Sheffield United is going to be a tough game, and I'll, like what Reese said, it's it's who we bring in at left back. Does like does Spence go to left back or, or like, well, left wing back, should I say? And we bring Drager in or uh, out out the out the shadows of Finn back again, come come back in. Um, I don't know. So that's that's to be to be told. Um, it's going to be a hard game. I, I, it could go either way. Um, but I'm going to go for a one nil, and we keep a clean sheet under Cooper. Um, we kept a clean sheet against Birmingham, but yeah, we, I mean, somehow. But yeah, I think 1-0, it's it's time we turn our home form around. And I think that's what's going to separate us from being that mid-table side to a to a promotion, to a playoff pushing sort of side. Because our away form, I think, is the second best, third best in the league at the moment. So 
yeah, we've got that sorted. Um, Preston, tough game. Um, one at the weekend. Uh, they've got a striker in form in uh, Reese, who I've never heard of, but apparently was there last season. Uh, shows that I'm <laughs> shows that what well, I'm uh, how much I'm paying attention. So and, and they're a bit of a bogey side. So I maybe say a, a tricky, tough one-one maybe against Preston at home, but. Again, it could go either way because they're a bit of a horrible side to play against for us. Um, but they're the sort of teams we need to start being if we're going to look up towards the end, top end of the table. Um, Reading, another tough, horrible side. Uh, John Swift is a player I've really admired for a long time. Uh, Ovi Ajari is a really good, talented footballer for Reading as well. But like what Reese said about their, their uh, squad at the moment, it's a bit thin. So... If we can go there with some impetus and, and and a bit of aggression and maybe force them into to playing some of them youngsters as well and like really like working them, then I don't see why we can't grab grab nine points from these next three games. And I honestly believe that that's that's how much positivity Steve Cooper's gave me. So I'm gonna go two nil at Reading. Super Cooper it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I reckon we'll draw one all with Sheffield United. I've just got a feeling it's going to be a one-all draw. Um, I don't know why. And it'll probably be like Bruce's first goal in about nine months, something stupid as well. But yeah, I've, I've just got a feeling it'll be a one-all draw. And then <sighs> Preston, I think, will be a grind. I think it'll be a struggle. I think it'll be a battle. And you know what we're like in those. Although I am slightly more optimistic, I think we can nick a one-nil. We get one nil at home, get a clean sheet on the, in a bag as well, and we'll go out into the international break with four points from two home games, which is good. And then it's the most tin pot team in the whole fucking football league. I reckon we will, you know what, we'll turn them over. Enough. I, I, I can't go to Reading again and have a moment like last time. We're going to go and beat them. We're going to vindicate it. We'll do them 2 3 0. And yeah, and they can all fuck off the Waitrose afterwards. That's probably what they do. So yeah, Forest, seven points for the next three games. That's what I'm going for. And uh, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> we'll go with that. Anyway, thank you all for listening. We'll be back very soon. Maybe soon than expected. We'll see you soon. Anyway, take care and goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.